for joining me tonight. It took a while to get here, let me tell you. I have this laptop, which I'm, <laughs> I think it's more like a blender. I don't know what it does, but I think it can blend smoothies. It might be a juicer, but it sure as heck is not a laptop at times <laughs> because it doesn't behave that way. All of a sudden, it was mad at my microphone. It wasn't recognizing it. So I YouTubed a few things and God bless YouTube because it will uh, eventually fix the problem and it'll, it'll, I'll find it in there somewhere because somebody else has that problem too. So, hey, I love YouTube. Thank you guys for all the people out there that we are just born to help one another. That's what, what it's all about. We're born to help one another with our little skills that we have or else it'd be useless. I've been kind of dealing with some personal shifts in my own life and great shifts, I think, uh, certain changes, right? And it's a great place to be, I think, where I'm at emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, very, very much a great place to be as it is a start for a new thing for me. And so I like those unknown places. I like when I'm challenged into looking out for adventure where before I would have been too afraid to take a risk or too afraid to look in certain places. Uh, I like when situations happen that cause disappointment. Yeah. Uh, because they allow me to expand my vision of what I want. Now, today's topic is about disappointments. And not only do I humanly experience that, but collectively, people that I work with, they have been experiencing or constantly are experiencing disappointments and they verbalize it in sessions. And so I wanted to address disappointments today, not for the purposes of dealing with past disappointments because they're already done. We're talking about future ones. How do we prevent from perceiving life in disappointments? But I want to first help people understand that when, whenever we perceive disappointments, it's really not a we, we interpret it that way. It is not really a disappointment. It is simply a situation where something came out unexpected. An outcome was unexpected in some way or undesired, not wanted. It's not necessarily something that is good or bad. It's just unwanted or unexpected. I want to make sure I make that distinction to you because a lot of the times we automatically go to, oh God, the world is going to hell because of this one thing just didn't come out the way I wanted. And it's it's just over interpreting the situation. And I want us to kind of step back a little bit when we're looking at it. So defining it as something as unexpected is really important here. It's unexpected, an outcome that is undesired. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's a bad outcome. It's just not preferred is another way to say that, but that's where disappointment comes in. But disappointments cannot exist without having expectations and expectations actually form from somewhat of a level of fantasy involved in it. Okay. This happens when we visualize or expect things 
but in visualization mode, fantasize about things that may be a desired outcome of the situation or something that we perceive we want. Uh, we, we hone in on it. We fantasize about what it would be, what it would feel like to have it, what it would feel like to be in it, to use it, to be with this situation, whatever the case is, right? And it could be whether it's a, it's a job, it's a person that I want to be with, fantasizing about the whole outcome of it and even get to feel the excitement from fantasizing about this thing, about having it. I've built up all these expectations, this fantasy, this vision. We have beautiful brains, don't we? It almost makes this one thing that really I don't know much about yet and how I don't even know the its outcome. It's already I'm already emotionally invested in it. Does that make sense? So we go too far already when we think about it this way. Now I love the idea of fantasy when we are trying to get excited about something and motivated. That's why we, we fantasize about things. That's why we have this vision to utilize beautifully to get motivated about doing new things. Because we, we imagine what they would be like. It's a great thing. But this is where we need to kind of become more cautious in how much we allow this fantasy to occur and how far we allow it to go. I hope that makes sense so far. And the reason why I say that is because we like emotional stability, right? And what ends up happening, unfortunately, when we don't get what we want, what we fantasize about, we've already emotionally invested in it, right? We've planned things out. We've made a space in our brain that had this vision in it, this fantasy in it. We're connected to it now. And then it feels like a loss when we don't get that thing, that person, that uh object, whatever it is that you, you want. We become very, very disappointed. Like we had it and then somehow we lost it, but it's, it's fake. It's, it's fake in our brain. It's, it, it's a, it's a lie. Because <laughs> we never had it to begin with. In understanding that, we're really going to start approaching the prevention of this distorted way of getting disappointed at things. Now, disappointment is a, is a natural part of life, but there are some things that we can cautiously look at and say, okay, there's a safe place to stop visualizing. There's a safe place where I can stop fantasizing. For example, let's say I meet a great guy and I start automatically thinking what it's going to be like to be with him and how it's going to be great and da 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 da. <laughs> now, this fantasy can go to really intense places if you let it. And the next thing you know, this person starts acting differently. Maybe they start distancing this, themselves away or whatever the case is. Anyways, the vision that I had fantasized or formed about them is going to be uh, kind of disappointing because it didn't come true. So it's going to feel like a loss emotionally, chemically on the inside. It's going to feel like a loss, like I lost something. But in fact, this may not be the person that actually I was, I wasn't really looking at them. I was creating an expectation or forming a fantasy about them that isn't real, which created my disappointment. Now, this is where I need to have safety. I need to actually be aware and allowing of the situation in front of me or the person in front of me to show me what they want, what they're about, how much effort they're willing to put in this relationship without me visualizing or making more of the situation than it actually is. Okay. 
allowing things to take its course, life to take its course, life to show me what it wants to show me without me interrupting it with some fantasy work. So some people might say, well, Tala, shouldn't we be dreaming about things that we want? Absolutely. Yay, 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 yay. I love that. I love fantasy and I love desire when it's used in a constructive way. But it also requires discipline within ourselves to do that. We need to know when to stop the fantasy. So for example, I have this desire to go to Disneyland one day and I imagine myself walking in Disneyland. I I imagine holding my son's hand and seeing his face and his reaction to uh, the Dumbo ride, you know, and, and the teacup ride. Now, specifically fantasizing about... Mm, if my son is going to just love it, he's going to think this is great. It's just going to be a great day. It's going to flow smoothly. You know, so many things that I could not control and so many issues in this uh, simple, simple story or fantasy I'm telling that I really cannot predict, which can cause disappointment. We're like, what if my son freaks out when he sees the Dumbo ride. He's like, oh no, this is scary. (laughs) I don't like this, right? I'm going to be disappointed, heartbroken. There's a safe place to leave it where I fantasize of the adventure of something new and whatever the experiences are and however people react, I leave that out of it for the most part because it's not something that I can control. And it takes the fun out of it. It's just not allowing for me to desire something without the self-defeat that could come after, right? Even can come after it when I'm telling the story to myself. Like, what if I say, oh, what if my son doesn't like it? And And then I ruin the fantasy and it makes the desire for going to Disneyland just turn to just shit, which is also another extreme. We don't, we don't want none of this. So staying in a safe place, keeping the vision, keeping the desire is wonderful setting that story beautifully and stopping where I cannot control or, or, or would be useless to predict. Another more precise example is, let's say you are dating someone and you're going on a date, you start fantasizing about, again, what it's going to be like to be with them or just simply based on what your first date, you like them, you perceive that there's chemistry, you... Uh, create this vision of what this relationship is going to be like. You maybe over-interpret what they're doing, making it seem bigger than it really is. You're just not allowing things to kind of sit where they are. You're just running into fantasy land. You're reading their texts and making too much out of it that they didn't give you. Uh, you, You're doing too much. (laughs) Like my sister would say, you're doing the most. (laughs) So I'm going to use that statement here. We're we're doing the most. We don't want to be doing the most because... Eventually, going back to this idea, not allowing the person to show us who they are, like I've said before, but even I want us to to really stop where we need to stop in in a cautious, very safe place that's realistic for us, not good or bad, just realistic. For example, I just, uh, oh, I know how I feel about this situation. I've enjoyed this person, but I don't know for sure if they... Uh, would like to continue with this relationship or not? I'll leave it. Uh, I'll leave it up to them to see what they would like to to do about this. If they do show effort, great. I will reciprocate it. Uh, but it will be an equal give and take. Not that I do all the work for them. And and this is just out of fantasy, right? Out of fantasy. And this is where the, where you see these lifetime movie network movies that have 
this obsessive guy that just overdoes, or even an obsessive woman that overdoes it in her head, does the most with the information that is being given. All of it is fantasy, and she lives, or he lives in the fantasy land inside their head. They're not willing to lose this fantasy. It's not that the person was there. A lot of the times, they, they, those images or those memories that they've created are real. They're false memories. And so they're afraid to lose a person they never even had. So the whole thing is it's just fantasy land. So dealing with disappointment or unexpected situation, this is how it occurs. It just, it starts off doing the most with information instead of allowing it little by little. Like we're coming up with outcomes. Or what if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't happen? What if, what if, what if? And I'm like, okay, just, just wait for a second. Just let's stay where we're at with the information that we're being given. If we go beyond doing that, uh, it's going to go too far. So because we are on our way, you and I, um, preventing disappointment to the extreme in the future, limiting the fantasy is the first part, but then accepting with humility. And I, and I really got to put it this way. This is our second step is to accept with humility. Bend the knee is the way I like to say that one. Bend the knee. We need to accept the information as is. It comes in whatever the information is. Even if when we're feeling disappointed, we have to accept with humility that this is the information and then this is how it is given in its real form. That's it. And it's raw, real, uninterrupted form. This is how the information is given. And sometimes it's going to be disappointing. And even in me saying that, I'm, I have to apply more humility because the outcome a lot of the times is irrelevant of, it's, it's not of within my control is another way to say that. It's not within my control. And to have an opinion about it, eh, if I sit there too long, like, oh my God, I should have done this. It should have done that. I should have been blah, blah, blah. I should have known. I should have been blah. If I stay too long in that, friends, I'm not accepting with humility. I'm showing a lot of freaking resistance to what the world is showing me and to what is, what already is. So let's say I apply for a job and I don't get it. That's what it is. It, me sitting there trying to figure out how it happened, how it didn't happen, what happened. It's going to fuck with my head. There's no reason to do that. It doesn't imply any humility in this. And I like the humility part. It just keeps me, it keeps me in my place when it comes to trying to not control the whole world. I don't want to be controlling. I, I want to sit in my own neighborhood and even better sit in my own house and my own business in my own house. <laughs> Does that make sense? So Bending the knee, accepting whatever the outcome is with humility. Really, the word humility is pretty important here because it is the antidote for our regret, our language of regret within when something doesn't happen the way we want it to. We blame ourselves. We think we should have done this. We should have done that. It's all ego playing, plain and simple ego. It'll stand in the way of you healing or moving forward, becoming mobile emotionally, you'll get stuck. And we don't want to get stuck. That's depression. That's anxiety. That's blah, blah. We don't want to get, we don't want to get stuck. We just going to keep moving. So keep moving, except with humility. The more humility we engage, the quicker we are able to adapt to situations and move on. I don't need to explain why I didn't get a job. Hey, people are allowed to, to not give me one. They're allowed to make decisions without my permission because I took the risk to apply. Beautiful. I can stay right there. I took the risk to apply. It was an adventure. Great. I didn't overpromote the fantasy inside my head, whether I got the job or didn't get the job. Hey, they're going to let me know. And from that place, 
whatever feeling I c- comes with, I'll deal with it. But I'm telling you that with the least amount of expectations after I submit my application, I just do what they're asking me to do. If I need to turn paperwork in or I need to do it, I'll just do it. Uh, I don't have to sit there and say, I should have done this, should have done that. It doesn't matter. The idea is it's done. And that's what the good news. The answer is already there in front of you. You coming up with stuff is what's causing suffering. Attempting to control when you can't control it. So practice humility. Eat humble pie. I surely love to these days. <laughs> I'll eat my humble pie. Now, the next thing I want you to make sure that you are aware of when you're trying to prevent this high level fantasy disappointment from all these expectations you're going to have. And da, da, da. we want, I want to do as much as we can to prevent disappointment or not to experience it with the intensity that sometimes we do, at which point we get emotionally stuck. That's basically the point of today. I don't want us to get emotionally stuck. I want us to be as adaptive and mobile. We're going to experience disappointment, right? But the severity of this, the disappointment comes from how much did we expect? How much did we fantasize? How much did we think we owned this outcome? That's what I'm talking about. All right. So Let's see. The next thing I want you to notice is make sure to stay away from any dualistic opinions about whatever it is that you expected and the outcome is in front of you and you just make this dualistic interpretation. What I mean by that is that, for example, if the outcome didn't come out the way you expected, then it must be bad. (laughs) So we went from like zero to 60 in a second. I hope that makes sense. So if it's, if it's bad, that means it's not good. I'm not looking at anything good with this outcome. I'm labeling it already. Um, I'm sitting in it as an interpretation as being bad, unexpected, unwanted. It's a nasty interpretation of things. We want to stay away from going from the bad and the good, this like strong dualistic, because if it's not happy, then it must be just sad and depressed. Like the, we want to stay away from this idea, this opposites, uh, somewhere in, like a better way to say it, somewhere in the middle is where we want to be, somewhere where in, in, in reality-based land is where we want to hang out. Understanding that disappointment is a natural part of life, And I promise that when you don't overdo the expectations and the fantasy, it will keep you from going to the extra interpretation of interpreting something as good or bad. And it's it's just bad because it's not good. I hope you get what I'm saying. I mean, this is like how people sound. I'm not making this up. I promise. This is how I sound too at times. I'm like, oh, it must be bad if it's not. But actually, I have to admit, I've worked on it specifically for a while now. So it's not common that I'll say something is bad, right? Or good for that matter. It's neither good nor bad. It is what it is. I just do what I can at that moment, whatever I'm being asked to do. And if it works out, it opens that door. If it doesn't open that door, then I guess it's meant to be closed. I have bent the knee and we're going to stay that way (laughs) with that situation, whatever that is. Okay. So the dualistic, the last thing I want to make sure that we all are aware of when looking at disappointment is our over-interpreting the outcome as a forever, as an end. That's, that goes with the dualistic aspect with the opposites, but I'm going a step further by really talking about whenever an outcome shows you its face, it's revealed to us, whatever that outcome is. It's not in any way something that is good or bad, but let's just say that it's something that, for example, my husband cheats on me. Oh God, that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's 
compute like a disappointment because my expectation is that he was going to stay faithful and uh, he cheated on me. Okay, so all that really means once we are nurturing ourselves through this pain, through this heartbreak, is that automatically I want your mind to go to this is a start of a new path. It's not an end of anything, my friends. We're still breathing. And so I love, 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 love the thought process because it saves my ass in every sector of my life. If something I perceive ended, I automatically go to all that means is something else is going to start <laughs> because it's just that's how life is. It's not like it's going to stay forever this way. I'm still living. I'm still making decisions. We are humans that decide. And so because we are in the decision making business as humans, we are going to continue to live and make decisions and grow and expand from that. We're not limited. All we're doing is starting a new path. And what an adventure. I love the so many, what I perceived as disappointments became a lot of the times I'm talking about 99%. I'm telling you 99% of the times it became an opportunity. Because it's an opportunity for me to look at life in a more expansive way where I thought this is what I wanted and somehow the outcome did not make that happen. That's okay because a lot of times it helps me expand to what else could I want? Like how fun is that to ask yourself, what else do you want? What other jobs do you want to have? What other types of people do you want to go out with? You know, so on and so forth. You're moving and expanding. It's a great thing to desire, to want something. Desire is the birth of change. And when you think of it that way, every time you want something, it's a great thing to want. Just be careful with the expectations like we talked about, and you are going to prevent emotional stagnation, helplessness. You're going to prevent that. I like wanting things, but I don't go beyond it's great. I enjoy that. I respect that. I want that. What can I do now to get, to get me started on, on the track to getting this thing and whatever happens, happens. I might have to redirect my path multiple times in doing that, but that's not necessarily in my world today. That's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. It just is. And most of the time it does have a positive outcome. So I go with it. I go with the flow I've learned that when I get stuck and I'm mourning what I thought I wanted and this is what would make me happy. If I start mourning that and I just sit there in my self-pity and my helplessness, was I just don't go beyond that. So I'm not moving anywhere. I'm not making any more decisions. I um, it's just, it's not a great place to be, right? Nurturing the disappointment into understanding that it starts a new path for us as humans. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. This is infinite people. This is an infinite resourceful way to look at our life, adaptive way to look at our life where one door closes. Sure. I'll see. I don't know how many windows <laughs> cracks in, in the wall, uh, even find fancy creative ways to exit that room, but exit. I will. The way of getting that exit might differ, but in general, the door closed now my resourceful, adaptive brain can think of windows, cracks, even objects in the room I can throw and, you know, dig out of my, my way to an exit. That's what I want our brain to be 
like to be resilient, to be resourceful. We can build that. You know, when going through schooling, I really thought for the longest time that people are either born resilient or not. I don't think that's true today. It's interesting how that changed when I started actually working in the field and listening to people's stories and seeing how they've changed and have been blessed and honored to see how somebody who would have started with a lot of trouble in the way they thought and the way they solved their problems became their own solution and their own healer, which is great. I love seeing this. And in seeing this, it taught me that all humans are resilient and what makes them resilient can be actually learned if they are consciously aware and want to do it. But if they continue with the helplessness, then they're going to go back to the old beliefs, old conditioned ways of solving problems, and the outcomes will continue to be the same. But I promise you that we all are able to be resilient. We truly are, from the moment we are conceived, that the strongest sperm goes to the egg and makes it through, and that's the one that delivers me, you, everybody. We are, from that point unique and resilient. We're able to survive all the other sperms that tells you the quality and the characteristics we have before we become this human form. And I hope this gives you a clue about who you really are too, that you are resilient. And I'm not telling you anything new here. You deep down inside know that everything that I might be presenting to you is within your awareness already. It might feel truthful to you because you are born with this instinctual need to self-heal. So if I, if I say something or somebody else, it doesn't matter who it is, somebody else says something about you that you are capable of and you feel it to be true, that is probably instinctually uh, built in inside your, your body, your mind, your memory to know that you are a self-healer. It just confirms that for you. I am one too, you are. And when I talk to you, I know you are. All I'm doing is reminding you that you already know this information somehow. It is not from scratch. I'm not teaching you. I promise anything new. You already know it deep down. I just believe that you do. And that's why I'm presenting it to you. I'm just reminding you that you are capable of surviving, of expanding, and that you are limitless on the inside if you become consciously aware of your existence here on earth. You can do this. I don't doubt it for one second. All right. I hope this was helpful to you today. This appointment is part of life. It is part of our human range of emotions. It is not meant to be eradicated. We need disappointment because we need the spiritual, the mental and psychological development that comes afterwards of picking ourselves back up, maybe redefining, reassessing what we want. And we need this element of disappointment. We don't want to get rid of it completely. We want to feel it. So this way we can desire something uh, and desire it with passion. Why not go, go that extra step, desire it with passion, work towards it. Uh, if it doesn't come out as, as expected, that's okay. We just desire something else and we just move forward, right? So this idea is really going to help us out to understand that disappointment can be used as a tool, as an opportunity to reinvestigate on the inside what you might want next. What, what more could you possibly want? Disappointment doesn't have to be the end all. It doesn't have to be forever. It is simply a beautiful tool an opportunity. So don't miss it.
Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. I'm sending you love, light, and the humility to face disappointment and the courage to want more. This has been an episode of Drive Through.